0: So today, I want to talk about something that I really think has become maybe a big issue or maybe that's really prevalent in the time that we're living in. Let's just take out 2020, all the craziness that's already gone on this year, but just in general. And we're going to start off here in Proverbs 19, verse 23. Let's just get right into the scripture. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Everybody say life. Life. Awesome. So the fear of the Lord, really, it's, it's saying the fear of the Lord produces life. And it goes on and says, then one rests content... Untouched by trouble. Sounds like a pretty good life, right? So today, we're gonna, we're gonna talk today around the idea of contentment. And before we get too far in there, I just wanna kinda define what that is because really you, your mind could maybe go a few different directions with that. Maybe even as, as I said the word contentment, maybe you thought of the word happiness, right? Or maybe you thought of the word satisfaction. And maybe there's even a negative connotation that you can go with. Maybe you thought of the word complacency. And, and I love this verse that we just went through because not only is it because it's from Proverbs and there's a lot of nuggets that come out of Proverbs, but really it's, it's the wisdom of Solomon and because contentment really is in the Bible from the very beginning to the very end. And I think that that verse that we just went through, I think it gives us the clearest picture of what this really means. It's all about life. Right, and, and when you think about life, when you hear the word life and you look at the original translation of that, it's not about just breathing. It's not about our human body's you know, basic physiological functions. No, it's, it's, the Bible is promising us what Jesus calls an abundant life. Right? That's what he wants for us. And then the promise of the fear of the Lord is that it can produce this contentment that really is, again, defined as being full of life. And then the rest that comes with that. It encompasses this peace and this joy that if we allow it into our lives that then we feel these supernatural touches from God on a daily basis and those can really just impact our life, right? And and then there's another promise at the end of that verse and it says that we can live untouched by trouble, right? Contentment really is an amazing thing and and if you've ever been around somebody that you could define as having contentment or or somebody that is a contented person, they really start to sort of impact your life as well, right? It's kind of contagious. And as I was thinking about this, it kind of brought me back to a friend of mine's father. And I feel like this guy was just content in every situation. As a matter of fact, any time that somebody would ask him, hey, how you doing today? He would always say, he always has the same response. He'd say, well, there's life in my veins and there's breath in my lungs. I guess I'm doing all right, right? And you know, that's a little bit more intense than the typical fine, you know, that, that you're used to. Um, but, but even sort of fast forward, there, there was a time, and I can't remember the exact details, but something happened in their living room and I can't remember if it was like a, like a cigarette issue or if it was a candle, but their, the, the tapestry around their, their, their window caught fire. And it didn't burn the house down, but it destroyed the living room, You know, the, the soot, and then it warped things, and it was a disaster. And the father, his, his dad said, well, I've been meaning to remodel this living room for a long time. I guess this was, this was the good Lord lighting a you know fire under my you know what you know insert your favorite word there. But that was just the way that he looked at things, right? And and obviously he didn't see joy in that situation. But he definitely he had the right perspective at that point. And and I think that you know if that were me, I think going through that, I would just be a puddle on the floor, you know, curled up in the fetal position. But you know, somehow, somehow he was able to kind of oversee that. And, and I, I just want to start this message off by saying that I'm not there yet where he was, right? And, and I want to be there. And I think a lot of us want to get there. And, and I think that this is something that we probably all struggle with, especially in the culture that we're living in now, right? And, and the culture that we're living in now, it's a crazy one, I, I think. And I, I recently saw this quote, and it said, it said this. It said, never had we had more, but enjoyed less. It just seems like we're never happy where we are, but we're always happy where we're not, right? I have, I have two young daughters, almost two and, and five years old, and I love them so much and they're so amazing and they're full of energy. And sometimes when we're lucky enough that they're hanging out with Gigi and Poppy and it's just Brittany and I, um, we start daydreaming about what it's like to be an empty nester already. Like five years into it and we're already there. <laughs> we're like, man, it's gonna be so nice to wake up late, we can go have breakfast at Bob Evans every morning. You know, we can go on vacation all the time because I think that's what empty nesters do. They're just always gone. And then we talk to these empty nesters because my entire neighborhood is just all empty nesters and they say things like, "Oh, you know, enjoy it while you can because you're going to miss the pitter-patter of the feet and you're going to miss the crayon all over the wall." And I'm like, "Hey, you can borrow my kids and I'm going to go live in your house in Florida for 6 months and we'll see how that works out for you." You know, but but even, you know, like as parents, we can, you know, that can be taken a step further because we're always looking for the next phase. Like for me and our kids, we're always like, oh, I can't wait for Livy to start crawling. I can't wait for Ellie to start talking. I can't wait for them to start walking and being independent. And, and we're just, we're not enjoying the now, right? We're always looking for, for that next phase. And, and I think that you know, there's so many ways that we can just use those examples to look in our own lives and realize that it's true. I mean, look, look at the area of technology, right? Never in the history of humankind have we ever had as much, much technology as we have now, right? And it's supposed to make our lives easier. That's what they tell us, right? It's supposed to make things easier. It's just, it's just supposed to work that way, but it, it really doesn't, right? It, it makes it harder because we don't enjoy life as much, and that's what we're finding. I'm gonna take a quick poll. How many iPhone users are in the house today? Yes, the Lord's people, look at that. All right, how many Android users are in the house today? All right, three of you guys. Look, we're praying for you guys every day. Don't worry, look, we, look, we, we can't text you guys because you turn our chat bubbles green and that just ruins like the entire flow of everything. I'm sorry, I, I, I love you guys, I'm just kidding. But, but technology, it's amazing. And, and they say that these phones that we have in our pockets, they've replaced over 50 items that we normally would have had you know, in the past, right? Phones, calendars, ca- uh, cameras, music players, there's apps for everything, you can get your baby monitor on, on your phone now. And and you know it, it, it just seems like it's all there, but but we're really not all the all the better for it, are we? Right? And and how about Amazon? Any any Amazon lovers in the house? Like you can get anything you want in, in one to two days and it's just the most amazing thing. As a matter of fact if you guys ever go to the bathroom over here, there's a little shelf and there's an Amazon speaker that's on it. And anytime Ellie's up here, she always goes up to and she goes, hey Alexa, I don't like you, Siri's better. And I'm always like, shh, don't make her mad, she brings mommy and daddy stuff, okay, like just, we'll just keep it. But I mean, look, we have smart TVs, we have Wi-Fi, and we have probably the greatest invention of all time, Netflix, right? Instant entertainment at the drop of a hat. We love, in my house, we love the Home Alone movies. And when I say Home Alone movies, I'm not talking about the third and the fourth one, total garbage, one and two is the only thing that's in my house. And we were watching it, a couple. we were watching Home Alone 2 um, about, about a week or two ago, and it got to the point where something happened and it kind of froze and then you get that ring where it starts to buffer and you're waiting for the movie to catch up at some point. And look, I did really well with that, like I'm a man of God for about 10 seconds. And then 10 seconds in, I start to get a little antsy. And then 20 seconds in, my blood starts to boil a little bit. 30 seconds, I'm reaching for my phone because I'm about to call Spectrum and tell them how terrible they are and cancel my service with them. But but really in that moment, I was transported back to 1992, right? For for those of you that don't know, Home Alone 2 came out in 1992. Some of y'all maybe weren't even born in 1992. But for those that were, think about what you had to do in 1992 if you wanted to watch home alone that night, right? Because you had to make the conscious decision within business hours to go somewhere because you had to actually go somewhere to rent a movie. And we probably all were gonna go to Blockbuster, let's go down memory lane here. You walk in the door and you turn to the left, you start walking the uh, the perimeter because all the good movies were on the outside and all the junk movies were in the middle that nobody wanted to watch. And they tricked you because they had all the movie covers in the front, but it was really whether, it determined whether you got the movie was because it was actually behind that, like their Blockbuster thing was behind that. So you had to anxiously go up to it, see if Home Alone was there. It wasn't. If you were like me, then you'd run up to the front, beg the person behind the counter to look in the return box to see if somebody luckily, yeah, you guys are laughing. I'm glad that I wasn't the only one that did that. Well, look, it's a, in this story, it's a Friday night. There were no movies, so you get in your car, you drive down the road to that second place to rent a movie that you really never go to. In southern West Virginia, we had a bunch of these places that were movie rental places and also tanning salons at the same time. What kind of combination is that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But luckily, everybody that went there went to Tan. So in this case, Home Alone was there, right? So you get in your car, you go back home, you put it in the VHS player, you fast forward through the the previews, you get to enjoy your movie, hallelujah, right? But it's not done there because now what you have to do, you have to be kind and yes, because if you didn't do that, you were going to get arrested, right? Because the FBI, they were watching you to make sure that you did that. So now you gotta get back in your car, you gotta drive back to Blockbuster, wherever you got it from, and you gotta get it there because if you don't, you're gonna get a late fee charged to you, right? And let's just be honest, most of us in here are really happy that Blockbuster went out of business because all of our late fees have now disappeared with it, right? <laughs> yes. So so look, it, technology's great, we have all this stuff that, that we're supposed to be you know, all the better for it, but look, every stat says that we are less satisfied than ever, and here's the question that I wanna know, why? Why is that the case when we have all this stuff? Why are we not happy where we are? Why are we not happy with what we have? Why are we not happy maybe with the person that we fell in love with five, 10, 15 years ago? Right? What is happening? What is creating all this discontent? And here it is, guys. The truth is that there is an enemy of discontent. There is something that we face every day in our culture that is defined exactly as the enemy of discontent. And it's something that opposes content. It's also something that I hate to say is probably impossible for us to escape in the culture that we live in now. And here's the word, please write this down, comparison. Okay? The enemy of contentment is comparison. And wouldn't you guys all agree that we live in a culture of comparison right now, right? This is what Proverbs says about that here. In uh, Proverbs 14, verse 30, it says, a heart at peace, right, so a heart that has contentment, gives life to the body, right? Gives the best life, gives the most fulfilled life. But envy, AKA comparison, rots the bones, okay? We are living in a culture of comparison, and look, times have changed, things move so fast in this era that we live in now, and we may be jaded. We may just miss completely how prevalent comparison is, but comparison breeds lies into our lives. And there are three specifically that I want to go over with you. So if you guys are taking notes or writing things down, please do. Number one, comparison makes life all about the wrong perspective, okay? The wrong perspective. Comparison tries every day to make us believe that what we have is not good enough, okay? And look, comparison has existed for all of history, okay? it's just It's been there. The feeling has been there and I'm gonna offend some people in here when I say this, but I think that social media has really thrown fuel on that fire in an extraordinary way. I'm sure, I'm sure you know, Mark Zuckerberg or whatever, you know, I, I think that he maybe had good intentions when he, when he created this program. I think it was maybe designed to connect people, collect people, I know we're on Facebook Live, so Mark, if you're watching, maybe let us know what you were thinking when you did this. But, but in the reality of it, I think it just makes us hate everybody, right? And, and like I hate staying up here saying that, but it, I think maybe it's just me, I don't know. But it breeds all this comparison, and I think it ends up being very toxic, right? It, it can be. And, and so you jump in in the morning, and you look through and see what's going on, and then you look and see maybe whose birthday it is. And side note, I wouldn't know any of y'all's birthdays if it wasn't for Facebook. So that is, it's like one redeeming quality that I think that it has. But then all of a sudden, maybe you're faced with somebody's post about something new that they just got. Right? And I'm not taking away from that, but um, you, know, for you looking at that, maybe that's something that what you've just come across. But it immediately makes you feel like what you have isn't good enough, right? Maybe you know, maybe they're posting, they're like, hey, look at my new boat, look at my new car, look at my new house, and they're like, hashtag blessed. Right? And, and then you're like, hashtag, I'm about to come over here and burn that house down when you're at work, so you better enjoy it while you still can, you know? But but maybe we're confronted by that, and maybe it's just maybe it's the vacation that you're not on. Maybe you guys saved up, you planned a vacation. Maybe you're headed to Myrtle Beach, popular destination. Been there a million times. You check in, you get there, whatever. You're at the pool. You hop on social media, and all of a sudden, somebody that you follow is now in Bora Bora, and now your Myrtle Beach vacation is not (laughs) doesn't seem as good anymore, right? And how about this? How about relationships, right? Like every other post is about somebody else getting engaged and that's exciting, right? And the picture is amazing because it took them 20 hours to get the right one that they're posting. But in the moment that you're looking at it, it's very real. And if you're single at that time in your life, maybe you start thinking, well, everybody else is getting engaged. What's wrong with me, right? Obviously nothing is wrong with you at all, but but maybe that thought starts to kind of creep into your mind. What about every fitness goal? Right, Brittany and I uh, started running the past couple months. We've been really like pleased with our progress, and and uh, you know we we post stuff sometimes just because we're proud. And it was a post that got us to start running. Thanks a lot, Melissa Ferris. Now we're running because of you. But you know, like there's a there's a bunch of guys that you know I'm friends with or that I follow, and they're always posting these selfies in the gym where they're getting like super jacked. And I always come across those posts when I'm like six inches deep in my DQ Blizzard, and I'm like, I'm almost there, guys. I'm catching up to you. I promise, you know. But it's funny. But it's real, right? Social media, it's, it's creating this culture where we feel like what we have isn't good enough. And I'm telling you guys, be careful, right? Be careful, on, it, it, it adds value, but I also think a certain part of it also robs us at the same time. I, I came across this statistic that said, anything that's, anything any time spent over 10 minutes on social media, and I think that we're probably all in excess, greatly, of 10 minutes on social media, any amount of time that you spend over social, on social media a day, you're less satisfied, you're less happy, you have more stress, you have more anxiety, right? We have a lot to learn, guys. And, and I think, so Here, so that's the first thing comparison does. It gives us the wrong perspective. And the second one here, number two, is very dangerous because it also gives us the wrong presumption. Number two is so dangerous because the awful thing about, number one, what it does to us is we begin to compare ourselves thinking that you know, what we have isn't good enough, but then that shifts into this thought. If I had what I don't have, I'd be happy, right? If I had that thing, then that would make me happy. Every day, we're bombarded by that message. Every commercial that you see, every billboard that you drive by, every Facebook ad that pops up. The first message is this, you're unhappy. And the second message is this, happiness is just one step away, right? It's just 20, three easy payments of 29 95 away. It's just that next fitness trend away. And, and you know if you just add this one thing in your life, it will make everything that much better, and, and even in the most wicked sense, and I even hate to, to even bring this up, but, but adultery is now being promoted. There's websites that get people, if you're unhappy in your marriage, you know, like, and you can go. It's just one click away, just like everything else, and, and here's the thing, guys. We've all lived long enough to know that all that stuff is a lie, but we believe it because we want it so bad, right? You know, you, you, you get you get to a point where it's a moving target because you get that thing that you want, maybe you go out and buy it, you get it, you click, you whatever, and then you're happy for a temporary period of time, but then the next thing comes around and you're right back to the beginning, you're starting that cycle all over again. Uh, Jim Carrey, anybody like Jim Carrey? Any Jim Carrey movies around here? Couple people? Kind of a, you know, whatever, whatever, good for him. But, you know, I've seen some recent interviews with him, you know, maybe like a red carpet event or, or he's just being interviewed, and like, he's a little out there now, you know? And I'm like, man, the years have not been good to you, Jim Carrey, like what happened to you, man? But, but there was something that he said, I, I came across this, and it kind of hit me, and he said this in an interview, he said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they dreamed of doing so they can see that it's not the answer, right? And some of you guys are like, man, I'm, I'm gonna try to get rich and famous just to prove you wrong, Jim Carrey, like that's awesome, you know? But, but we know he's right. And, and there was another study that I came across that, that basically took a group of people that all had a net worth of at least $25 million. And they, they did this sort of extensive study on them. And they classified them, at the end of this research, they classified them as a discontented, dissatisfied group. And that's kind of weird when you think about it, right? And, and they, they found that these people reported deep anxiety in their life, in the areas of family, uh, in, in, the, in, in the areas of work, and in the, family, in the area of love. And this is the crazy part. On average, they reported that in order for them to feel happier, they required at least a quarter more wealth. These are, guys, these are people that had at least 25 million dollars and they still thought that they needed more in order for them to be happy. It is a moving target, church, and we can very, very quickly spin out a cycle. And if you aren't careful, you could live in this cycle your entire life and not even realize it, right? And I think that that's why God put this message on my, you know, when Pastor asked me to, to speak today, I think that, you know, as I prayed and kind of was, was meditating on what to talk about, I, I think that this is why that he gave me this message to, to talk to you guys today, because he doesn't want you to live in that bondage of that cycle that our society and our culture has put up on that pedestal now, for whatever reason. And, and if you don't break out of that cycle, well, then you begin to live your life for number three, which is the wrong person, right? If you don't break out of that cycle, you start living your life for the wrong person, you will end up living your entire life putting all of your attention on them, that you're gonna miss out on everything that you have right in front of you, the thing that God has blessed you with, right? In, in 2013, um, there was this new word, phrase, whatever you wanna call it, that was defined. And uh, it, I think it's something that every one of us faces, and that's an acronym, it's, it's FOMO, F-O-M-O. Uh, it stands for fear of missing out. Anybody ever heard of that? Yeah, okay. So it was literally classified as a disorder, okay? And here's the definition. I'm gonna read it straight, straight, off, straight off the internet that I got on my phone, because it's technology. Pervasive anxiety that we are missing out, that our peers are doing or in possession of something more than us. It can be something tangible, it can be an experience. That is what keeps us connected to them and not to us. And, and we were just talking about social media, but you don't even have to be on social media to experience this. We all talk that a lot of you guys raise your hands with iPhones, with Androids. We all have these smart devices in our pocket. And it doesn't even have to be a smart device. Like you could be still rocking the pink Motorola razor in your pocket, and every text that you get, every after hours work email that you get, and that's a big one for me, every phone call that you get can immediately transport you from where you are and who you're with to somewhere else just like that, right? And, and the problem is, now my fear isn't that I'm missing out on them, but it's missing out on what I have in front of me. And just, you know, again, As parents, obviously we're always proud and we always want to show off our our children as they grow, their developmental stages. And there was a time that I specifically remember when Ellie was just starting to like Bambi legs and, you know, walk and fall and walk and fall. And she got to a point where she just started being able to walk from like one side of the room fully to the other side of the room. And I remember taking my phone out and recording and watching it. And like a few minutes into it, it hit me like, I am going to remember this moment. Watching her through a screen, even though I'm standing right in front of her, like my memory of this time is watching her through a screen, and it, it broke my heart. Like it was just a crazy realization that I'll never get that moment back because I'm watching her, even though I'm right next to her, and I've never been able to, you know, to to, to forget about that. And and I want to grow, you know, in parenting and things like that. And and I think I want, I think we all want to grow when we when it comes to things like that. And and this is what Solomon discovered. And look, let's build off this. We realize there's a problem, now let's work on fixing it, and God's word has all the answers. Can we just all agree on that? Like, let's look at that, okay? So Solomon has, had everything, he was wealthy, he had done everything, he tried all his stuff to fill the holes in his life, but it wasn't until that he discovered how big of a deal contentment was that he was able to do that. And this is, this is what he says about it, it's in the book of Ecclesiastes here, Ecclesiastes four, verse six, it says, "'Better one handful with tranquility "'than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind.'" I love how simple that, that's worded, right? It just rolls off the tongue, but it's so powerful. And really this has become, you know, it's become a goal for my life. Like I just wanna live the family, I just wanna live the life that my family, you know, has been given by God, uh, you know, just full of content, away from the troubles of the world, just so we, we can focus on him, right? It's, it's that simple. But then the question becomes, well, how do we get there? How do we get there? And if we look in the Bible, I think it, it, there, there's, a, there's the perfect example of how we get there. And this is from the Apostle Paul. And I think throughout the Bible, there's many instances of people that you could say were contented or that were living a contented life, but I really think that Paul is the leader of the pack here. Um, you know, the last couple of times that I was able to speak with you, I've always used Paul as, as this example of, of the, I spoke on joy, and, and you know, Paul's a big center around that. And, and the thing about Paul was, he wasn't just born with joy. Like, this isn't just some inherent quality in human DNA. No, he had to learn it. And, and we, today, we have to take that same lesson. So. So here's what it says, let's go over to Philippians 4, we'll look at verses 11 and 13, it says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Right, so he wasn't born with it, and, and by the way, he's writing this while he's in prison, of all places. And it goes on to say, "I know what it is, it, I know what it is to be in need, I know what it is to have plenty. It goes on and it says, I have learned the secret of being content. All right, so this is the lesson right here. We're going to pull this right out of Paul's life. In, every, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, and then this is where we get that amazing verse uh, in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I love this verse. This is one of the most quoted verses out there. You hear it in sport, you know, sports and, and really anywhere that we have some difficulty in our life. But I think what a lot of people miss is that it's written about contentment. Listen, there is no way outside of God that you're ever gonna to get to experience that promise, okay? And, and Paul says, basically he says, I can, do this, I can do this through Christ. I can, I will live the content life if I do it through him, right? So there's three things I want you to take of note here. These are the secrets, these are the guides, if you will, of contentment directly from Paul's life. And here's number one. We have to realize what we have, okay? And look, I know we all have that list, that list of things that maybe we want, maybe not even necessarily that, but things that we are going through in our lives, right? And and situations, I'm not taking away from that. I think today we could all come together, we could talk about that, put a list together, and legitimately have a pity party about all the things that we're experiencing in our life. And, And I don't think that God would necessarily have a problem with that. God loves it when we cry out to him. God loves it when we bring him our troubles. But God doesn't want us to live in that, right? So for me, you know, I, I think of this example sort of when this, this whole pandemic began, you know, late March, early April. For me at work, it was probably one of the busiest times that I've ever experienced because of everything happening. You know, we had, we had furloughs that were happening, we were coordinating things, we had advertising budgets that we were trying to cut, we were communicating with all of our vendors and partners and ad agency, and just it was just pure chaos. The regulations were changing, what's essential, what's not essential. We were open, we were closed, we were this, and it was just insanity for a long time. Well at the same time, my youngest decided that she wanted to go through her second round of teething so like nobody was sleeping because she was up all night in pain so we were, it was exhausted in the day, nobody was sleeping at night. My house started doing this weird thing where all my light bulbs started burning out at the same time like I was running over here changing this light bulb and this one went out. We were, I mean it was like the weirdest thing. I went through like 50,000 light bulbs. And on top of it, not only were we not sleeping because of the baby, when we were able to fall asleep, my smoke detector started to like go out, right? So you're in the middle of the night and you hear that, like, that stupid noise that like gets you, out of, you know, out of bed in the, so I'm exhausted, right? And so I remember specifically this one time, I'm like, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna go through my secret stash of Skittles because that's what I need in my life right now, okay? I have a secret stash of Skittles that I keep for all emergency. Look, I'm convinced, guys, that after Jesus, God's greatest gift on this planet was when they decided to make those green Skittles, not lime, but sour apple. That's like the best transition that they've ever happened. So in my cabinet, we have a bunch of coffee mugs. Me and Brittany use the same two coffee mugs. I don't know why we have a 1,000 of them, but I keep a secret stash of Skittles behind those. I reach up for them. feels a little weird. I pull out an empty bag of Skittles. My five-year-old, who loves Skittles just as much as I am, climbed up on the cabinet and ate my last thing of Skittles so I just started throwing myself a pity party, like all that happened, now my Skittles are gone, all this stuff, and it's so stupid now, but in the moment, it's real. I'm like, God, where are you? Why have you forsaken me? You know, like, it's just, it's just one thing after another. But, but in that moment, I started thinking about God, and my mindset really started shifting. And you gotta, like, like the God of the universe loved me so much that not only he, he created me, first of all, he knit me in my mother's womb, he numbered the hairs, on my head, right? He created me now for this exact time and this exact purpose in where we're living now. And not only that, he didn't stop there, right? He gave us his son. He sent his son to a cross to die for what I did. Church, I'm convinced that we are the most blessed people on this planet. Can somebody say amen amen right there? And with that salvation, then he gives us a promise, right? That we are the head and not the tail. We are above, we are not beneath. We have a hope, we have a future. And here I am, mad because my Skittles are gone, right? Don't let all the little stuff make you forget that, because that's what's most important right there, okay? And I don't have everything that I want, right? I don't think any of us do, but I think we all have, maybe we can say we have more than we deserve, right? And Paul always focuses on that truth. Watch, if we go over to 1 Timothy, he says this. He says, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst, right? Paul never forgot, right? Uh, Prison, shipwrecked, snakebit, tough life. He never let go of what he had. And it goes on to say this, but for that reason, I will show mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example. So God's saying, I'm gonna share this example with all of you. Right goes on, for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life, now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, and here he breaks into a praise break, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. So here's the practical application of all this, guys. Make a list, literally. Write it down, type it out, make a list, don't wait until you're at your boiling point. So that you can rehearse all that you do have, so when FOMO comes knocking at your door, you can knock it out, you can knock it out of your life, okay? So, so guide number one, realize what we have. Guide number two, make God our source, right? There's been times that I've heard pastor up here say things like, it's okay to have resources, but we have to make sure that God is our source. And at the end of the day, our discontent is not about stuff, right? It's not about material things. It's about a void in our life, right? You, you maybe have heard the, the saying, like, we're all born with this God-shaped hole in our heart, that only he can fill. But church, we do a really good job of trying to fill it with everything else, don't we? And, and it's a waste of time, right? Listen, there is no answer outside of God, period. And I'm not coming at you with that you know, in a legalistic manner. I'm not coming at you, you know, to, to thump you over the head with the Bible. I'm saying that because it's the truth. And and again, wholeheartedly, I think that this message was brought to me to bring to you today for a very specific purpose. Maybe there's somebody in this room now, maybe there's somebody watching us online that you guys have been looking for answers for a very, very long time, and today was the day that you made the decision to come to God finally, right? You're discouraged, you're tired, don't give up, because I promise you that your answer is found in God, maybe maybe today. And then there's some other of us that that maybe experienced that, Years ago, right? Maybe we were looking a long time ago. We, 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 we know it. We know we're out in the wilderness, and, and we've looked everywhere, and we finally came to Jesus, and, and we're here today because we've already walked on that path. But, but regardless, is if it's new or if it's something that you've, you've done a long time ago, you've got to be careful because we can't make that decision now Now or in the past and then run back out into the world trying to plug in, looking for answers that we know aren't there. Right, like we can make that decision to follow Jesus and then six months, one year, two years later, we're running back out in the world, trying to find things when we already know that there's no answers out there for us. That's insanity, right, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's what that means. Only in God are we gonna find that answer. And again, Paul sets an example here for us, right? In Philippians um, 2, verse 12 and 13, he says, "'Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, "'not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out, everybody say work out. Uh, Your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. In the original text, the the term work out uh, was used as a picture image, uh, uh, a word picture, I'm sorry. It's a word picture of a gold mine, Okay. And so what Paul's saying here is don't get stuck up here in the surface, right? That's where we all start. That's where we're all hanging out, and it's good. You got to start somewhere, but don't get stuck up here in the surface. He's saying salvation starts up here, but if you dig deeper, you're going to find gold, okay? And the deeper that you dig, the more gold you're going to find. And sometimes I think what happens is, is we don't dig quite deep enough and we start to think, well, maybe God doesn't have the answer. When really he's saying, hey, I'm right here, guys. If you just dig a little deeper, you're gonna find the promise that I have for you. And so my marching order to y- today for all of you is, is just start digging and don't stop, right? You're gonna find your promise, and when you do, your hardest days are not gonna seem so hard anymore. Everything that we need, church, everything that we need and everything that we lack it's found in Jesus, okay? And rather than looking in a thing, rather than looking in a person, rather than looking in a drug or or alcohol to fill that void in your life, start digging because God's waiting for you and you will find him, I promise. Okay, you guys ready for the third secret here? All right, before I give it to you, I'm just gonna ask everybody to stand up if you will. So the third secret is live life on mission. Okay, and again, Paul models this for us here. Again, Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. He says, not that I have already obtained all of this. And look, I have no idea what Paul expected in his life early on. You know, I I don't think that when he was a kid, he expected to persecute Christians and then get saved and then plant churches and then go to prison. I don't know what he thought, but it wasn't that. I can tell you that, okay? And it goes on and says, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press On to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me he says brothers and sisters I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it but one thing I do forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead I press on toward the goal aka the mission the calling to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus guys Paul had so much purpose that he didn't have time for comparison like ain't nobody got time for that when you're living for something so much bigger Okay, and, and I'm going to end today with this piece of wisdom because I want you guys to take this with you in your day to day. The promise of God can be summed up in this very simple quote, and it says this: contentment fills me with life and fortifies me from circumstance. Amen. Right? Contentment fills me with life and strengthens, if you will, me from circumstance, and that is available to every one of us here today. Are you going to receive that? Amen. All right. Let's just uh, let's bow our heads and pray. Okay. God, we just, right now, we just ask for the promise of your word, Lord. Father, we ask for contentment in our lives. And God, we know that that means that we may have to break some things off right now, Lord, that, that we have to realign some things, that we have to break some habits, Lord, that we have to shift some focuses in our life. But right now, we just start off by being thankful, right? Come on, church, in your own way, just tell them what you're thankful for. God, I am so thankful for your gift of Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending your son to save me, to save us. And Lord, we receive that all over again today. And God, thank you for the promise that our old is gone and that our new has come. And God, thank you for, for my amazing family, Lord. Thank you for putting me in situations that I can be a blessing to somebody else. Lord, thank you for all those situations where I may have thought were, we're a dead-end street, but really have just brought me closer to you, Father. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for always being near and thank you for never leaving our side. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.